this story just kind of talks about like why women don't run on trails as much as they do on roads on roads in road racing, they make up about 60% of a field and in the trail racing, it's closer to like 25, 30%. So the question is, you know, if women are out there running, why aren't they running on the trails? Good morning, and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm Palak Jaiswal. Let's get right into it. Olympics and Enterprise reporter Julie Jag joins us to discuss her reporting on women in trail running. Julie, I understand you've been writing about women in trail running. Can you tell us about it? Sure, I'd love to. Um, yeah, so I started writing about this uh, you know, comes as many things do, as many stories do with a press release. I wish I had known about it sooner, but um, I had been talking to a race organizer um, for months now, I guess, about these races that they were putting on. And I didn't realize, I guess, how interesting they were, or what the, in- how interest like what the um, catch was, you know, kind of why, what, what the hook was on the story until I started talking to them a little bit more. And there are these, these trail races, they're called, uh, Epic women's runs. And there are these trail races that are just for women, which at first I was like, well, there are other races that are just for women. That's not unusual, but I didn't realize that on the trail scene, there's just not, you know, there's not that many races that are just for women. This is something that's just getting started. Um, they were one of the first, I think just starting last year. And then now they are, have blossomed into having two races this year. And there's another race down in Moab. That's the Thelma and Louise race. It's just for races, I guess it's just for women. Um, so yeah, so this story just kind of talks about like why women don't run on trails as much as they do on roads on roads in road racing, they make up about 60% of a field and in the trail racing, it's closer to like 25, 30%. So the question is, you know, if women are out there running, why aren't they running on the trails, which is personally my favorite place to go. I feel kind of painful when I run on the streets. So. Definitely. I'm curious then like, so when it comes to women participating in trail running, what are like some of the obstacles that you found that they face? So they range. I mean, they're the ones that you would think about, the ones that would automatically come to mind anytime you're planning on going six to 10 miles, you know, into the wilderness, probably like five miles on five miles back. But, uh, you know, which is safety, just the safety of against wildlife, bears or mountain lions or whatever else you might come across or the safety of if you get injured out there and you're on your own or even, you know, a woman being out in, in the wilderness on our own can be kind of scary, just, um, fears of attacks. So those, those I expected, but the ones that I didn't expect were barriers of women feeling like they just like that they were afraid to be seen walking. Like that would be seen as a weakness and not realizing that most trail runners, no matter how good they are, walk part of a run or part of a trail. Um, because it's so technical or it's so steep or whatnot. And there's kind of that didn't want to be seen as weak um, part of it. And then other things are just, you know, how do you go to the bathroom when you're five miles out on a trail and you're a woman? It's a lot harder than a guy. You can't just, you know, go off to the side of the trail. It's not that fast. And um, also, you know, things like, like menstruation during a race, you know, like if something happens, 
how, you know, what, what can happen. So um, yeah, all kinds of things they, they really ranged. Definitely. So I'm curious, do you, did you find out some of the things that Utah women are trying to do to kind of face these obstacles head on in these like kind of races they've put together? Yeah. Yeah. So there are several things. Um, so there's one group that has been doing this, I guess, since about 20, I think it's 2013, uh, called trail sisters. And what they've been doing is certifying races. So even if they're not women only races, then if races have certain, um, aspects that they add in, then they will advertise them for free on their site, which caters to female or to women trail runners. Um, and so things like that are one is you know, having um, menstrual products readily available at aid stations. If somebody needs them having bathrooms um, at aid stations, giving women a place to start at the front, whether that means just, you know, separating them out or just saying, Hey, you are welcome to start at the front because often women start behind and some, I think often I'm not that fast, so I don't know, but often women get caught behind men who are slower just because they don't feel like they deserve a spot at the front. Uh, what are some of the others? Oh, and equal, equal pay and equal podium places for women at the races. So if it's a professional race and they're paying the top five men, then they need to pay the top five women the same amount. That's great. Julie, do you have any tips for those who might be new to trail running or they want to try it out and they just don't know how to do so? Yeah. Uh, well, I think one is to seek out these groups that are doing it, you know, that are, are really supporting women on the trails. So one of those locally is uh, Women of the Wasatch. And what their motto is, which I think is pretty neat, is no woman left behind. So no matter how slow you think you are, somebody from that group will stay with you and run the entire trail with you, which um, I think is really great, you know, so often that's kind of the if you're joining a new group, you're worried. You're like, can I keep up? And if I can't, then what, what happens? And so this group, they're saying, no, you're going to stay with us. We'll stay with you. The same, um, that trail sisters organization also has a couple, I guess, three chapters here in Salt Lake, or I mean, in Utah, and they hold runs, you know, group runs that where they get together and, um, and stick kind of same kind of thing, stick together as a group. And then, you kind of have these women to talk over things with that can range anything from like, oh, I sprained my ankle. How do I keep from spraining my ankle out here? Or just, you know, have issues like childcare, you know, like, hey, can we maybe get together and one of us will watch all the kids and the other ones will get to go run. We can rotate those kind of things. Um, and then if you're going, you know, just for beginning trail runners in general, if you're going out, there's gear that you can bring. Um some of the things, you know, obviously check the weather, make sure that, that it's not going to rain on you or snow on you, which you can do, you know, out here and, you know, just the twist of a hat, uh, you know, bring water, obviously bring food, even if you don't plan on eating it out there, because if you get stuck, if you get hurt, then you might want a little something extra. Uh, one of the people I talked to said she always brings an ankle brace because she always, that's what her injury is going to be. Then she she already knows that. So she at least has something to help get her off, um, off the trail. And then also just, uh, you know, take your time. Don't worry about trying to run the whole thing. Just go out slow and do what you can do and then come back and then try it again. There's, there's lots of cool things to see out on the trails and a lot, it can be really fun out there. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Julie. Thanks for having me. And next, city and county reporter Blake Apgar tells us about where the Salt Lake City International Airport ranks in the country when it comes to how busy it is. I'm Blake Apgar, city and county reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune. I have a story out this week about the Salt Lake City International Airport being the 20th busiest airport in the country. That is according to preliminary data released by the Federal Aviation Administration this month. The report compiled passenger boarding numbers from across the country for 2021. Salt Lake City retained its position on the list from 2020 when the pandemic threw a wrench in air travel nationwide. The ranking is up three spots from 2019, with Salt Lake City passing major hubs like LaGuardia in New York. Bill Wyatt, executive director of the Salt Lake City Department of Airports, attributes the ranking to travelers feeling safe coming to Utah, where they can stay outdoors and enjoy national parks and skiing. Wyatt told me he expects Salt Lake City will continue to climb the chart, due in large part to Delta Airlines' support for the airport's growth. Uh, Salt Lake City International Airport is a Delta hub. Final numbers for 2021 from the FAA are expected to be released in August. To find out what other airports Salt Lake City outranked, visit sltrib.com. To cap us off, I have a story out today about the soft-swinging scandal that rocked Mormon mom TikTok a few weeks ago. One PhD student who studies Mormonism and evangelicism on social media says that Taylor Frankie Paul and the Mormon Talk group are the latest iteration of the Mormon mom influencer and that there's a larger cultural and historical role there. And the Washington Post's Taylor Lorenz speaks to the phenomenon that is TikTok itself. That's it for today. Tune back in tomorrow for the day's biggest headlines. Thank you to the Salt Lake City band, the Pelicans, for our music, and to Danny Rubio for producing this episode.